Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Seal of Approval. Hello there, and welcome back to Seal of Approval, the podcast bringing you weekly judgments on the latest movie news and reviews. I'm Cal, I'm your host, and today I'm joined by my two guests, Charles and Yunte. Hello. Hello there. Yunte, to introduce yourself, do you want to give us another of your top 25 movies of all time? Oh yeah, uh, keeping with my theme from last time, I'll go with another animation. This one's a more recent one, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It was an amazing movie. Very good movie. Yep. Mm. Good shout. Yep. The best modern animations, I would yeah, say. I, I would say so. Hold on, hold on. Are we talking about Western animations or <laughs> Japanese <laughs> animations? Because I will fight you about uh, Dragon Ball Super <laughs> Broly. <laughs> well, that's a great animation. <laughs> I said one of the best. Yeah. But, uh... Definitely, definitely Western. Definitely Western. Yeah. And for you, Charles, do you want to give us one movie that you like? Thank you for changing the description of it for me. <laughs> it helps with my brain. Uh, I'm going to go with Ikiru, which is a 1952 drama from Japan. The word Ikiru means to live, and that's basically the theme of the movie. It's uh, about a council worker in Japan uh, post-World War II. And he's basically, he's just a, he's a worker, a working man. Um, he's just worked his whole life, never taken leave and uh, doesn't really know what it means to live. And he gets diagnosed with terminal cancer. And in the, in the time frame of the movie, he kind of learns what it means to live. And so it's, it's very sad, but mm -hmm. it, 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 yeah, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. Wow. It's done by oh. Akira Kurosawa, who's a famous director Ooh. in Japan. Nice. Yeah, I have to have to check it out then. And then for me, I am going to add in Waking Ned, otherwise known as Waking Ned Divine. It's a movie that should be more well known, but essentially, I would describe it as the Irish hunt for the wilder people. <laughs> so it's a similar sort of vibe, like quirky comedy. It's yeah, it's awesome. Uh, anyway, so uh, now that we've let everyone judge our taste, let's move on to the all important points. And we start, as per usual, with round one. Movie news highlights of the week. In this round, I offer up clues to each of my guests, and they gain a point if they correctly guess which movie news item it refers to. So, let's start with Yunte this week. Oh, here we go. Which director has said that his redrafts are for the greater good? Oh, redrafts. I might need a... I'll bet you the second clue for that. Second clue? Okay, I guess. Mm, already, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a little more time before putting a baby behind the wheel again? Ah, oh, what's his name? The directed Baby Driver and he's rewritten or redrafted Baby Driver 2, has he? Yep, yeah, spot on. Uh, do you know the name of the director? <laughs> I'm drawing a blank here. Um, that, oh, guy. <laughs> that guy. That guy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Edgar Wright. Oh, yes. <laughs> Edgar Wright. Mm. Yes, uh, yeah, director-writer Edgar Wright shared that he was on his third draft of Baby Driver 2, uh, but reminded fans to be patient, especially given how crazy last year was for the film industry. Well, mm. uh, to be honest, surely he had more time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. His process of filming with music in mind so that he could cut his film to the music, which worked out really brilliantly. The editing is pretty incredible, mm. and I guess the sound design, if you're throwing mm. in the, the soundtrack along with that. I'm sure yeah, it's probably quite fun to work on set. Actually, they probably got quite sick of, of the tracks <laughs> yeah. by the end of it, if they're just playing on on, on set on repeat, yeah. so they can get the timing right. <laughs> so, uh, Charles, have you seen Baby Driver? I think so. It looks sort of familiar, but I, I don't know if I enjoyed it or not. <laughs> Like Yunte said, the editing of the action to the soundtrack is pretty incredible, and it's it's definitely worth watching just even for that. There are also some pretty great actors and performances. Mm. I thought, I mean, and this would be controversial now, of course, but I thought I thought Kevin Spacey was was really good. 
Although, obviously, this predated the controversy surrounding him. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, he hasn't been charged for any of the accusations. Well, Mm, has he not? (laughs) No, I haven't heard of him being charged. But to be fair, like, his performance has nothing to do with how much of a creep he could be. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. He's always done a good job. Yeah, like, he's a good actor, but you can't justify him being, well, I guess, not being out of prison if those accusations are true. Yeah, um, exactly. Not, not, that, not that I want to get into commenting on whether he is innocent or guilty, because obviously we don't know. Um, if it is all true, obviously that's a terrible thing. And so he's right to not get work, even though yeah, he's no amount talented. Of, no amount of talent can mm. offset that kind of behavior if it is true. I think often the environment sort of helps breed that kind of behavior. No lack of accountability, especially when, you know, when you're successful and everybody's telling you you're amazing and and then you have all the money in the world. I do actually quite feel for child actors, especially some of the ones that I've worked with. Obviously, that it's not an excuse for them, right? <laughs> or any of the behavior, but it's maybe an explanation of, of how someone can become or get messed up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we all grew up seeing Macaulay Culkin. You know, great childhood actor from back in the day. Mm. And yeah. then he just went off the rails, didn't he? Mm. Similar with or similar with uh, Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. He's, <laughs> he, well, yeah, he's definitely mental. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad to see Macaulay Culkin's kind of recovered a little bit, though. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, we just saw him in an episode of Dollface, a TV series, last night. And yeah, he's, oh, looking, yeah. he's looking like an adult version of himself, which he's <laughs> done for a while. <laughs> yeah. no, it, looked like, it looked like Gollum's brother. Yes. <laughs> and he actually did a really good job of the character, and the acting was actually quite good in, in the episode. There's, there's hope <laughs> for, for those who get trapped in the machine. So uh, do, do you think Baby Driver needs a sequel, Yunte? I feel like I could do with a second Baby Driver. I really enjoyed the first one, and if they can do justice, I'm all for it. I would agree from a sound design standpoint. Mm. I'm not sure whether the story itself justifies a sequel. It kind of gets nicely wrapped up, and yeah. I think that's the same with a lot of Edgar Wright movies. He makes really solid standalone films that, you know, it's fun to fantasize about having a sequel, but I'm not sure whether... The, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we're like with Short of the Dead and... Yeah, it could fuzz, be. You know, like maybe it's a a completely different story. Maybe some some other perspective of the story. <laughs> well, like yeah, like an anthology film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess we'll see. I mean, it does the fact that he's on his third draft is sounds yeah. promising. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of times we hear, especially recently. You know, they. It's funny they really like to highlight in the news. Oh yeah, so the first draft was so great that we approved it, and and yada yada yada. And to me, that's just alarm bells. <laughs> as, soon as, <laughs> as, as soon as I see that in the article, it's like some exec saying, "Oh, the first script was so good, good that we just went straight ahead with it." I'm like, mm, "That's that sounds like a bad idea." <laughs> we can merchandise this. <laughs> At the same time, though, it also means that he may not be sitting on a story. <laughs> It's semantics about what that actually means, I guess. Yeah. We don't no, know. I guess we'll all have to wait and see. <laughs> that we will. Um, <laughs> with with great patience, I would assume, because I'm sure Baby Driver 2 is not coming out in at least the next four years. Mm. <laughs> so so, so we, we, we've got a while to wait. We'll, we'll time capture this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll remember this in like episode 564. Yeah. When we're old and graceful. Charles is already there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe not graceful. Uh, but uh, <laughs> moving on, now I have a clue for Charles. Who has been told this is the way by the studio execs regarding his future? Oh. Uh, Mandalorian guy, is my guess. Yep. Either of you know Mandalorian guy's name? Mandalorian yeah. guy. <laughs> Pedro. It's Pedro Pascal. Yeah, that's it. Originally, Bob Iger said that Star Wars would go on a break and focus on quality rather than quantity. 
after the increasingly poor reaction to their movies, but <laughs> after the success of The Mandalorian and their desire for Disney Plus content, they have announced 12 additional shows. And Pedro Pascal revealed that he has been filled in on the plan for all the many Mandalorian spin-off shows. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so now, now, before we discuss this, this, of course, is a spicy hot take disclaimer for our audience. Uh, we three here are Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. To varying degrees. That's fine. But you'd be hard to find a bigger fan than myself. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we don't think the show is that great. <laughs> oh. um, I personally think it sucks. <laughs> oh. uh, and we, we don't have time on, on this show to, tonight to break down all the reasons why. <laughs> so, uh, so please don't rage quit this podcast. Uh, we will get around to explaining why in a longer review at some point. Uh, but basically, it's scripts, plot, and a lot of the acting and fight choreography, the world building and characters are really poor from a filmmaking perspective. Uh, in fact, the only good thing about the show is the old school Star Wars aesthetic, I would say. <laughs> Bill Burr. <laughs> Bill Burr's character. Uh, and, right. and Bill Burr, yes. Yeah. yes. I would happily watch the Bill Burr show, um, Star Wars show. Um, him and Boba Fett. That's that's my vote. <laughs> of course, people are more than welcome to enjoy The Mandalorian, but I would suggest that the reason most people like it is literally just the nostalgia bait of, here, look, remember this thing you used to love? Or maybe because it is marginally better than the sequels. <laughs> mm. uh, but, <laughs> but, but with that out the way, what do you think about all these shows, you intend, Charles? Uh, will any of them be any good, do you reckon? Well, hopefully, <laughs> I'll I'll be watching all of it, but I just feel like it's too much to take in at the moment. Um, I don't know what their release schedule will be like, but with that many shows in the pipeline, something must give, right? And I'm hoping that the quality of the shows isn't the part that they're going to take a shortcut on. So I'm kind of half-half on it. It's nice to have more Star Wars-related content but yeah, I'd rather wait two years in between and have great Star Wars content. <laughs> yeah, hold on. But we waited what fifteen years and we got pretty crap content. So <laughs> I don't know if time is a factor. <laughs> mm, true. I mean, George Lucas obviously worked on his scripts for seven, eight, nine for a long time, and then handed them over to Disney, and they were. Nah. <laughs> threw it out the window well, so that's true. but you know what i mean though like i don't know i think i think we'll start getting less other content because disney will be hiring all the people and so i think we'll just start getting less mainstream shows elsewhere and other worlds or ips if we're getting that much from disney because they've also got the marvel they're working on as well yeah most of the content is supposed to release in the next three or four years which is pretty crazy, crazy. <laughs> wow well, there was 12 shows being yeah. filmed. 12, 12 additional shows, so that's yeah, not including any shows. for The Mandalorian or, or wow. the movies, just that, that's 12 including, more yeah. series. The ones that we've been told about, right? Like the Boba Fett and the Ahsoka mm. shows, yes. right? Yeah. 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 Well, if anyone can do it, I guess Disney could with all their resources. Uh, but yeah, from watching Mandalorian 2, <laughs> the season 2, I feel like they might take some shortcuts on on some of the shows yeah i mean we, we've talked about this before but one of the director of i don't remember which episode it is it's the one that boba fett turns up in the director robert rodriguez in an interview was saying how he he got given a minuscule script mm. to work with uh, which is why he just ended up doubling the action just to try and stretch out the, the runtime of the episode which is not a great sign <laughs> yeah especially season two it's quite obvious there's very little going on story and plot wise. It's very stretched out and it feels like they're just padding out the runtime, which is why, you know, some of the episodes are like 20 minutes long and half of them, you know, we've talked about Charles are walking shots. <laughs> but the weird thing is, is that they've done such a good job of the sets and the worlds and the costumes. Like that's where it feels the most Star Wars, I think, as you mentioned. So it feels weird that like the art department's like killing it and everyone else is just kind of phoning it in yeah oh yeah i think the art department doing a fantastic job and and the vfx team most of the vfx work is is great yeah there was there was lots of really really amazing vfx 
clearly that's where they're spending their fifteen million dollars an episode is. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, then there was it's but just then, the visuals. But then there were some shots that were just really out of place and weird being compared to pretty much flawless VFX that was shown like two seconds before it just really contrasts and makes it even seem worse. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very obvious where they've spent the budget and where they've held it back, isn't it? <laughs> and actually speaking of art department, most of it's fantastic, but I don't know if you saw one of the featured extras, one of the Mon Calamari, the fishmen, and they're wearing like a jumper that's found on Primark or something like that, Ooh. or one of those kind of <laughs> clothing stores and in yeah. the US, uh, some people kind of pointed that out and they're like, wait, uh-huh. they shop here? <laughs> Does that mean our world is in the same universe as... <laughs> it's not so far away. <laughs> Cinem- Star Wars Cinematic Universe? Yeah, a short time ago in a galaxy very close to you. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Star Wars to end up establishing Earth as canon and then the, the humans or the Jedi are the ones who populate Earth. For a second or for a couple of hours, we had a human character in season two before it got edited out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's that? What are they calling him? Blue jeans the, guy? The blue jeans guy. One of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you saw that, Charles. No, he, he made a cameo appearance. He was in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've digitally removed him from the episode now. Mm. Sucks to be that guy. I would not want to be him. <laughs> be blacklisted. <laughs> oh, no. but, um, it's it's like the you know the Starbucks oh, yeah. cups in Game of Thrones season eight. So um, can either of you tell us about the HD issue they were having as well? Well, their HDR content that was supposed to be actual HDR turned out to be just normal SDR content wrapped in a fake HDR wrapper. Can you explain what the difference is, you think? Well, HDR is high dynamic range, so darkest part and the brightest part is supposed to be a lot more further apart, so it seems more natural, like how human eyes see the real world. Like if you look you know, out into the sun, the dark parts will look very dark further away. And yeah, so that's what it's supposed to do. Which yeah, enhances your view, viewing experience. Yeah. But yeah, turns out it wasn't actually HDR. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's just a weird thing for them to be cutting corners on, especially with the money they've mm. got. You know, it's, it's an issue that I doubt many people are aware of. I, I mean, I've watched it on various TVs and seen a noticeable difference in the in the quality of it you know like you, mm. you you don't have any of the true blacks like like you said like some of the darker and lighter areas but yeah and and then another issue with it as well if you have a tv that's hdr capable mm. it may use way more power than if it's in sdr mode right. so essentially it's ruining your tv when you don't need to like it's mm. draining it more <laughs> um, yeah. so it affects the lifespan of your tv Right, you know, especially when you when you're paying for something and you're not getting it, and it's actually more harmful for your TV to do than yeah, Disney putting <laughs> corners all around. So, <laughs> but as, as we talked about before, you know, mm. Disney are, are the kings of fast food media, just packaging something up to look enticing uh, and shiny, whereas no substance to the actual meal, as it were, and it's not that great for you or the industry. So. Mm. <laughs> Moving on, I'll open this next clue up to either of you. So first person to jump in with the right answer gets the point. Here you go. Which monster will not be found on a handheld camera in its upcoming sequel? Oh, is this related to Cloverfield? Yes. Sequel? Yep. Yep, you're spot on. Yeah. Third movie? Or was it the fourth? It's not going to be a found footage movie. Yeah, the official mm. sequel to the 2008 Cloverfield movie is finally happening, but will not include found footage like right. the original. <laughs> hmm. 10 Cloverfield Lane and oh, the Cloverfield really Paradox. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Cloverfield Lane was good. Cloverfield yeah. Paradox, not no. so great. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, but but I, th- I think they are both anthology films. So they're, yes. they're not necessarily within the first movie's universe. Right. Like they've kind of left it up in the air. I, th- I think there's been a few different people who have said, oh, yeah, it's connected, maybe. It's <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, you oh, know. I see. Yeah. I don't think they really committed to an answer. Um, but this this next one 
that is officially in production or will be in production is an official sequel mm. to the first movie. Did, did, did either of you see the first movie? Yes, I did. I don't know. <laughs> it gave me a bit of a motion sickness uh, halfway through. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the shaky footage. I, I did enjoy it, though. It was something really different from the rest of the movies that were out at that time. Yeah, it, it did kind of spark a bit of a found footage craze. Mm. It was around the time uh, that, that that was big, you know, the Blair Witch Project. And yeah. Uh, are either of you fans of found footage or, or does it just make you sick, like you said? <laughs> <laughs> well, Blair Witch Project didn't make me sick, but I think Cloverfield just had a lot of movements, especially in that helicopter scene where they're spinning round and round and round and round. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Charles? You, you a fan? Uh, I don't think so. I generally don't like when cameras move too much on movies. There was like a phase in all movies to have like handheld cam i can't remember of an example but but it seemed to be quite common <laughs> and this the camera was always moving and it just drives me crazy well cloverfield was a handheld camera to the max <laughs> well yeah but when it's even not meant to be found footage films there was like a trend of doing handheld camera not on steady cam and i hate it mm. so i don't think i like again you can blame the, the ball movies for that <laughs> oh yeah i think they kick-started that yeah um, that and craze the, and the millions of cuts well while he punches when he throws one punch <laughs> the born movies did it right which is why everybody tried to copy it. It's kind of like Inception, you know, with uh, with Christopher Nolan's... <laughs> those noises, I'm sure you're well aware, Yunte, of yeah. how popular they became. And they're now in every trailer, and every movie. Yeah. But it's because they worked really well in Inception. Mm. It's just unfortunate that most movies don't justify them as much or it's overused. And I think that's kind of the same with the shaky cam. It's, you know, it can help you feel more in the action but when it's overused or like like we talked about um in in episode four about the taken movies <laughs> yes you know when you're using it to hide your choreography or yeah. actor's ability it's worse when it's just dialogue and it's the camera's moving around i think that's <laughs> when i really dislike it it's like they're just talking just hold the camera still what if it's a very intense dialogue <laughs> the cameras are spinning around them you know, like michael bay style yeah. the, 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 lots of explosions. Yeah. the camera's shaking to like mimic like sobbing shoulders or something <laughs> the camera's oh. crying <laughs> yeah yeah it does that it's just the camera's emotional reaction <laughs> there's a little chuckle <laughs> it's the new version of the laugh track the camera oh, chuckle so would you be keen on a on a sequel if without the found footage? Oh, I'm I'm kind of keen for anything at this point. <laughs> so. I personally will only watch it if the monster fights Kong and Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do a mashup of them, and you know, mm. I think uh, Gilmer del Toro is in the news yeah, saying Pacific Rim, <laughs> Pacific Rim crossover. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have all the monster movies ever just. Mashed into one. Maybe we can have a Rampage crossover too and have Dwayne oh, the yeah. Rock Johnson in there. <laughs> he can fight the giant animal, the creatures. <laughs> we'll just have the rock blown up. Yeah. Yes. Imagine the rock the size oh. of Godzilla. It can be the sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, I blew up the kids. <laughs> honey, I blew up the rock. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole cast of Fast and Furious comes along. <laughs> and Luke Skywalker just for funsies. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> oh, the We're most just... ambitious crossover. <laughs> the most ambitious crossover since Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're on to round two. Mostly rotten. In this round, my guests have to guess the Rotten Tomato scores for various movies, and the closest guess wins the points. And today, we're going to look at the Cornetto trilogy. Hmm. So that's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World End. I was horrible at this last time, so... Don't worry, <laughs> I'm always horrible at this. <laughs> so you're in good company. Uh, uh, well, in that case, Charles, would you like to go first? <laughs> why not? Let's start with Shaun of the Dead. So, Charles, do you want to give us the critic score? Oh, heck. 
That's where I start thinking, I'm not really a critics type movie. I feel like it could be. That's the problem. It could be, but it's in that older Ooh. era when critics only liked like art house snobby movies. <laughs> but I feel like Shaun of the Dead was received well everywhere, wasn't it? It was by me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's go 76. 76. Okay. You'd take. Would you like to? I feel like it was a bit more well received. So I'll go with. A eighty-five. Eighty-five. Well, mm. your instincts are correct, Yunte. It's actually ninety-two percent. Oh, wow! <laughs> it was well received by critics. Mm. I guess they weren't too snobby for a shot of the dead. Yeah, which I'm assuming is the highest score they've ever given to a zombie movie. <laughs> I would assume. Uh, but Yunte, do you want to give us the audience score then? Seeing as you're on a oh, on a roll, I feel like audience would have. Give it a higher score. 95. 95. Okay. And and for you, Charles, what do you reckon? <laughs> I'm going to go 94. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, he's done it. <laughs> it is uh, It is 93%. <laughs> well, that's very close to the critic score. I need to kind of remember that Rotten Tomatoes is not your typical critics, is it? Well, like you said, it, it depends what era. Mm, true. Yeah, they've gone through phases of either being paid out by certain studios, clearly, <laughs> or or yeah, liking really just very artsy fartsy stuff. Or I don't know. I f- I feel like Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I like to think that most people like Edgar Wright, uh, just because his style is so mm. unique. It's, it's so tight as well. Yeah, it's not like a gimmick, you know. Like uh, obviously, J.J. Abrams has got his lens flares and uh, and all that jazz. <laughs> That's not you know, a gimmick. Which, <laughs> that's pure uh, art right. <laughs> off, off the back of that then so that was Shaun of the Dead in 2004 three years later we had Hot Fuzz another great one yeah so Yunte would you like to give us the critic score I will go higher on this one so 89 89 uh, and for you Charles uh, it's go 92. I'll steal Yonte's. <laughs> 92, Charles. Uh, well, it's actually 91%. So, Charles, you snuck in there. So close. Wow. <laughs> what a way each time. In which case, uh, Charles, uh, you're feeling lucky? Do you want to give us the audience score? <laughs> I really like Hot Fuzz. So I'm going to go with a 95 that's what Yonte said before. Let's change it. 96. 96. Okay. Um, I'll go with 94. Well, it's actually 89%. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Lower than the critic score. What did Yonte there? Yeah, which I was taken aback at because I love Hot Fuzz. <laughs> yeah, <it's> so good. <laughs> I think it could be your English bias. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My love of cornettos. Uh, yeah. just... But yeah, so for whatever reason, it was not as hmm. well received by the audience. Yeah, never can get Rotten Tomato scoring <laughs> the ratings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, Charles, do you want to give us the critic score for The World's End, uh, which came out five years, oh sorry, six years after Hot Fuzz? I'm pretty sure I remember this one not being as well liked. It was okay, so I'm going to go down to 73. Ooh. 73, okay. Uh, and for you, Tay, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think it was less well received than the first two they were talked about. So, but I don't want to go that low. Go at eighty. Well, the critics actually gave it eighty-nine percent. Really? Yeah. Wow. Clearly, the critics are just Edgar fans, and, and maybe it is that they just appreciate his style. Hmm. I want to know who these critics are because yeah. I think it's. Uh, don't get me wrong. I actually liked the movie. I think it was still pretty good, but. Trying to guess what the critics are guessing is hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, well Charles, do you want to give us the audience score? Oh, I say, I only I remember it not being that positive. So I'm going to go 82. Okay, and for you, Yunte? I'll go 81. Trying 81. to steal that. <laughs> yeah. vote. Well, it has worked for you. <laughs> because oh. it's actually 71%. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, quite, that quite is a, a noticeable. There's a, a big a difference. 
Yeah, see, that's the critics. I remember yeah. people not being. I don't know how or why I know this, but I just remember people being a bit. Eh, it was all right. I, I've seen it recently, yeah. and I. It's, it is a fun film. Hmm. I, th- I think it's is. in comparison to the other two. Yeah, maybe exactly. That's it. It's hard to compare it positively to the other two. Yeah, I wonder how it would be received if you flipped all of those around in terms of order of release. Right. I think it'd get a very similar score in the order that they are now. So I think Shaun of the Dead, if it came out last, would be received less pop, like favorably. Oh, really? I think so. People just mm. tired. Oh. What's expected? I think that's part of it. it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it would have how it would have gone because Shaun of the Dead is a good movie. I well, I enjoyed all three, but Shaun of the Dead was more memorable for me. I, I, I guess zombies are more accessible. <laughs> yeah, small English village about cultists. Um, <laughs> maybe that was that was the issue. So uh, the, it's called the Cornetto trilogy. Charles, did you want to explain that name? In each film, someone eats a cornetto, and uh, there's a flavor that represents the theme of each movie. So, Shaun of the Dead, it's a strawberry cornetto from memory, with all the blood of zombies and gore. It's a vanilla cornetto in Hot Fuzz, which the packaging is blue for the thin blue line or the police. And it's a mint cornetto, green, representing aliens for World's End. So they're not tied together. It's just a funny thing that the director did. Uh, yeah, fun fact for you. Uh, but yeah, fantastic. Totally trilogy. not a Cornetto ad. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's this incredible sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, now for the final round, and we're back to movie news highlights of the week. We'll start this round with Charles. Charles, first clue. Which fans want a license to Killian? I never can pronounce his name properly. It's about Cillian. Uh, but it's pronounced Killian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bad with names. That's fine. I think it's it's people don't often know how to pronounce it because it's an Irish name. With Peaky Blinders soon ending, fans are championing Killian Murphy to oh. be the next James Bond. Yes. That could be interesting. Mm, he's got an interesting face. Yes. Like, uh, he's got a very good face for a villain. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know we've discussed recasting 007 in previous episode with you, Charles, but since then, you came up with another good option. Oh, yeah. remember? Yes. Uh, I want Pierce Brosman. Bros. Bro, whatever. I can't. It's too late at night. Say the name for me. <laughs> Pierce Brosman to make a comeback. Yeah. He's looking silver foxery, and I want some mm. old James Bond. None of this young blood. <laughs> oh, my Sean Connery days Logan. back. Logan <laughs> slash Unforgiven style movie uh, with with Pierce's glorious beard that he grew for Will Ferrell's Eurovision movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's also got it for a recent TV show that he's he's starring in. I can't remember what it's called. Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think it'd be fun to bring back an old James. Well, he was like kind of the start of the younger James Bonds when he came in. So it'd be kind of cool to see him take back the role and play that older Sean Connery styled James Bond. Yeah. And I just saw him and I was like, he's yeah, a bit of a silver fox now. <laughs> yes, I'd be down for that. A good shout. And No Time to Die was also in the news again. So I don't, I don't know if do either of you know why for an, for an extra point. Are they pushing the date back again? <laughs> oh, they're uh, they're doing some reshoots, aren't they? Yes, there you go. So yeah. I mean, both of you, both of I you, thought, correct? I thought it was ridiculous what they're doing. Yep, they're pushed by the their sponsors because well, it's been a while since they've started production, and some of the gadgets that were sponsored by some people, like cars and phones, and they thought it was too out of date and they had new gadgets in line that were coming out that they wanted to sell, I guess. So they wanted... <laughs> so now they're somehow reshooting or replacing the scenes with the new sponsored gadgets, apparently. Yep. Which is pretty crazy. <laughs> so. mm. 
Yeah. So the 2019 laser model isn't up to date. They want the 2021 yeah. laser. Yeah. Yes. The laser watch. The 2019 death laser. <laughs> the 2019 Aston Martin is just too old. They need a 2021. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that the sponsors are paying for these shoots, or I'd imagine maybe it's yeah. just contracts. I'd imagine they're paying for a lot of a hefty amount of money for the production. Hey, if they can CG out Superman's mo, they can <laughs> CG. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> they can CG in like the new model of the phone or the watch. <laughs> but only if it looks as good as that mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the Aston Martin but like blurry like it's like <laughs> do you think do you think they could replace it with an AI <laughs> deep fake the Aston Martin oh, it would be a lot easier than uh... why not they did it the Mandalorian nobody complains <laughs> <laughs> yes I think that's my biggest problem with the new newer James Bond is they just don't have the fun gadgets it's all just about cars and jumping and smashing things. And all the cars look pretty similar. Yeah, but I just really like the look of Aston Martins. <laughs> <laughs> what I really want is another great British car. In fact, I'm not sure if they still made it in Britain. So this probably won't age that well. Uh, but I want Bond driving around in a in a Mini. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the Union Jack on the top of the car. Just, yeah. What about the, uh, the three-wheeled... Uh... Oh, the Mr. Bean car. Oh, the, yeah. Reliant. <laughs> yeah. The Reliant Robin. <laughs> James Wan driving around in a souped up Reliant Robin. <laughs> that could be the, uh, the Pierce Brosnan movie. He's, yes. You know. But yeah, so like you said, Charles, its release date has changed, which has caused a massive ripple effect to other releases. Oh. It's a mission to juggle all of the movies, you know, especially you don't want to, your movie can be seriously impacted, you know, financially, success wise, just based on which other movies it releases next to, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know Marvel often undercuts DC a lot by releasing a trailer. You know, like, obviously, DC were going to do their Batman vs. Superman, so Kevin Feige changed his plan. He was going to do the Secret Wars um, storyline from the comics, uh, and he changed it to Civil War purely to kind of stomp on right. DC's thunder. <laughs> like <laughs> Even if they didn't do that, <laughs> Marvel would have uh, still had the better reception. Yeah, well, that that is also true. <laughs> there was a, uh, a distinct lack of Marthas in that movie, which was great. <laughs> true. Well, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, there's a Stardust kind of suffered. It's a movie that I like, and I get to fight. Except your uncle, I think it is. <laughs> you get to fight someone who doesn't like Stardust. <laughs> but from what I remember, it did quite badly at the box office. But it released the same window as Golden Compass, which right kind of did really well because of the popularity of the books. But mm. as a movie, it was a flop. People didn't like it. But because people were anticipating it, it got all the money. Whereas Stardust, no one knew about. It didn't do well at the box office. But over time, it's become a bit of a classic. Bit of a cult following. So yeah. that's the interesting thing with the box office. It doesn't actually mean success. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. So it's purely just how much do you earn, which is why... It's a big game on when you release something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why there there are many different movies now that have been pushed out further just to avoid having to compete with No Time to Die. There's more to it than just putting out movies, which obviously is frustrating for fans or general audiences. But from a money making perspective, especially you know, obviously if you if you put in two hundred million dollars into the production of a movie, then yeah, then you, you need to earn it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of important to make yeah. the next movie and the one after yeah. that. <laughs> I just amazed how ironic the name for the James Bond movie is. <laughs> like there's no time to die and there is no time to play the movie like it's just yeah. it's extremely yeah. ironic <laughs> yeah. okay now i have a clue for yunte who believes they are the hero their longtime studio needs but not the one it deserves right now oh is it christopher nolan yes you are spot on Christopher Nolan has announced that he is parting ways with Warner Brothers after oh. a long-time partnership uh, due to the studio's new release strategy. And I quote, Some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find out 
that they were working for the worst streaming service. <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, Christopher Nolan doesn't really believe in streaming, does he? No, and and the producers of Friday the Thirteenth are also suing Warner Media for loss right. of profit. So, what do you guys make of that? Do you think uh, Nolan is overreacting and, and just needs to adapt, or is he right to make a stand? Oh, Ian Stewart, I don't care what he thinks, but it's kind of <laughs> I don't know. It does seem like he's just worried about his paycheck. Is my first thoughts. But I can understand that he wants, if he's a big fan of cinema, he wants to make movies for cinema. Then I can understand the principle behind it. Mm. Yeah, he does have a specific way he thinks that cinema should be. Well, he's been very vocal about it. Yeah, like like he won't shoot on digital cameras. But um, I don't know. It's, It's an interesting time at the moment. Not everyone can go to the cinema and it's not safe to do so in a lot of places still. So in the perspective of the viewers, I think it's great that they still have the option to watch the films, but with their revenue-wise, I don't know how that could translate from streaming services. So I kind of get where he's coming from, but then also it's nice for the viewers to have the option. So yeah, yeah. kind of half-half on <laughs> on that. Yeah, I think Nolan said before that he, you know, he, he won't adopt any new technique or technology if it's not an improvement hmm. uh, because that's then it's not progress so that's why he still chooses to f- shoot on original film uh, because in his mind it still gives the best picture uh, um, than shooting on digital and even putting like a film filter on it yeah i don't know i i respect him for standing up for what he believes in i think it's up for debate what is genuine progress and what isn't like i said streaming is good for people in the states obviously here in new zealand we can we could go to the cinema so i would much rather yeah, go to the cinema, especially for movies that are shot and made to be viewed on on that big screen with yeah. the surround sound and, and all that jazz. So what you're saying it was we should get special releases in New Zealand. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> we should have it well in advance. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because I'm sure our box office will make up for their loss of revenue. <laughs> yes, there are dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> there are dozens. <laughs> So do you, do you think Nolan will regret it parting ways with with the Warner Brothers? Nolan is Nolan, so I'm pretty sure he could be picked up by any studio. Do you reckon that another studio would be willing to back his ideas in the, in this in the way that mm. Warner Brothers has because obviously he makes lots of you know, like very unique concepts and they're True. not necessarily ones that yeah, you know, a boardroom exec could understand. Yeah. <laughs> or look at and go yeah, I'm going to pump $100 million yeah. into that. But I feel like now, with the notoriety that he has, with this huge name... Yeah, I think he has a big enough name now that people would be willing to take that risk. Kind of like Steven Spielberg. I feel like he, that man can just get funding with any kind of... Just anything yeah. that he wants to do. <laughs> just from his work he did in the 80s and 90s, that's it. It's, it's set for well, life. Yeah. Just yeah. Fun. Yeah. Well, so I'm looking at Nolan, some of his movies, and he like they're all good movies. Mm. Maybe not all. A lot of them. <laughs> Tenet was an interesting one. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet, actually. Tenet, a little bit controversial. A little bit too Nolan. <laughs> yeah, a little bit too Nolan. And The Dark Knight Rises, while I still enjoy it, the writing is definitely a lesser quality to, to the other two movies. I know Charles, you're not a big fan of his version of Batman, but... But most of the world is, so... Yeah, the good, the good movies that are not very good Batman movies. Oh, a lot of people disagree with you on that. <laughs> Get your pitchforks, guys. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you where Charles lives. There's about, <laughs> in the nine hours of movie, there's about 30 minutes of actual Batman footage. So, <laughs> but not Batman movies. <laughs> Once again, we need to rewatch that trilogy and mm. change your mind. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so despite the reaction from many filmmakers and the estimated billion dollars that they will lose, uh, Warner Media are sticking to their guns with the cinema slash streaming combo release strategy, for better or worse. Also, on a side note, what do you think of Nolan's recent sound mixing, Yunte? <laughs> Obviously, that's been quite divisive, especially with Tenet and, yeah. and Dunkirk. And Interstellar, I think, to some degree. Yeah, well, Tenet had some weird moments where dialogues were not as clear as it should be 
And I feel like his mix or sound or the volume of his movies are getting louder and louder with each each movie that gets released. <laughs> so, so in your professional opinion, as a sound engineer, hmm. do you think it was poor mixing? Oh. Obviously, like it's a Hollywood movie, so there's plenty of polish yeah. on it. It's not going to be the worst mixing you've ever heard. No. But, you know, in comparison. Well, everything had its place, and there's not really a set rule for how sound should be mixed. But yeah, I think it was just, there was a bit too much emphasis on the soundtrack at certain parts of the movie. I feel like that kind of took me out from time to time when it just got a bit too loud. And you don't really want that. <laughs> I draw the line of being able to hear the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, to be, it's not really just a Nolan issue. I've noticed a lot of modern media tends to have issues with it. To bag mm. on Mandalorian again. The dialogue's like yeah. at half the volume that the action is. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I think that's mostly because if it gets mixed for the cinema, then the audio will be a lot more dynamic than it would be if it was mixed um, solely for an online release. Or like, especially in the quiet parts, it'll be a lot more quieter watching it at home than going to the cinema because everything is a lot louder and your sound system, just how it's placed, everyone has a different. Mm -hmm. Unlike cinemas where they usually have a standard of how everything should be set up and levels and everything, which the mixer can mix to those standards. So there's a bit of a issue with that. <laughs> this means that you're constantly adjusting the volume. So. Mm. Is quite yeah. distracting, and I guess that's that's the whole point. We you know we talked about previously the whole point of audio is that it shouldn't be distracting, and I guess hmm. I guess that's what I would say about Nolan's recent sound mixing. I don't know if he's becoming more and more deaf. Turn it up, Maybe that's the issue. I'll throw that theory out. <laughs> So moving on, I'll open this next clue up to either of you. So again, first person to jump in with the right answer gets the point. Which studio bought the rights to a book before they'd even read it? Oh, oh I heard about this one. Is it about, oh, <laughs> is it about the, the Wall Street bets? It's the anti-social <laughs> GameStop thing. Yes, there mm. you go. I think well, you both kind of said at the same time. So but, I'll give you both a point. It's been, it's been, the book hasn't even been written. There's an author who's writing the book and has sold the rights. And it's the anti-social network or something. Wow. Playing off the social network. <laughs> The yes. Facebook movie. Yeah, US pulled on. So MGM have already purchased Ben Mesrich, his upcoming book, The Antisocial Network, which will be all about the recent GameStop stock market controversy. Hmm. Uh, his last book was previously adapted into the award winning The Social Network movie, directed by David Fincher and starring Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, and Army Hammer. So, what do you guys know about uh, the controversy with GameStop? Basically, giant hedge funds see the writing on the wall and that, that GameStop doesn't have a long-term future, which I kind of argue and disagree with to some extent. Uh, so they shorted the stock, meaning that if the price of the stock goes down, they make money. Uh, and they have enough ability to short a stock, which forces the stock to go down. So it's almost guaranteed money. And a Reddit group of amateur investors saw that. They're probably gamers as well, <laughs> being on Reddit. Uh, and they're like, stuff you guys. And they banded together and started buying the stock, which drives up the price. And so these hedge funds lost billions of dollars. Uh, so it's called a short squeeze. Mm. So a lot of people lost money, mostly hedge funds, uh, but then a bunch of people made some money. Or some people didn't even care about making money. The price went up and the price went down, and now it's crashed. Wanted to troll, yeah. Basically, <laughs> it's it's a solid billionaires. Yeah, basically, uh, and a big screw you to people who basically play the system to mm. make the richer richer. And yeah. yeah, one guy ended up spending all that money buying video games for kids in the hospital yeah, or he with cats. Nintendo switches. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's a Kiwi guy. Yeah. Is he Kiwi? Yeah. Oh, there you go. And obviously, they, they moved on after GameStop to AMC Cinemas in the States, which was failing and predicted mm. to go under. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, both GameStop and AMC Cinemas now have enough money to survive 2021, which is, is That's pretty actually awesome. <laughs> Good news for a big cinema chain. Yeah. So what do you guys think of movies like The Social Network? They're about social media or current events or memes. Do you enjoy them? Or do, they, do you find them cringy? Are they too close to home? 
I don't see them. They're supposed to be like realistic representations of what happened. They're not. I know they're not. Mm. So you find it too much of a barrier because you know that's based on or loosely based on true events. Yeah, exactly. Usually becomes highly biased depending on who's writing the screenplay or whoever's backing it, I guess, or funding it. Yeah, exactly. I, the weird thing about this one is that there doesn't seem to be clear main players like Facebook, the social network. It was clearly at least it was revolved around characters or people we know yeah. created Facebook. And so this is going to be way more subjective because there's not really any one individual that are going to be face on because the whole point of this Reddit group is that it's thousands of people. Mm, thousands of anonymous people. <laughs> Billionaires that you're not allowed to, that you're probably not allowed to name versus Reddit user 69. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and even these billionaires, it's not even them directly, it's hedge funds, which are, mm. which are just run... Yeah, so I don't know. It's going to be a bit of a weird one. I don't know what they're going to do with it and how realistic it's going to be. I just think it's cool that the the people kind of stuck it to the man. That's what I like about it. One of the hedge funds lost about $4 billion in like the space of a, a couple of weeks, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> Again, these people That's are dealing with trillions of dollars. It's it, it almost means nothing in some ways. They push the system to suit them. It's just their own game got played against them. Mm. The really interesting thing was is that uh, Robinhood is the app that to buy stocks that was used by most of these people. Uh, it got oh. it got blocked, um, and they weren't able to trade the stock. And so there's kind of some interesting things right. in their theories that these big hedge funds put pressure on this the owners of this app to stop trading. There's also other theories is they're running out of money to be able to to fund <laughs> all the trades they're happening. And so <laughs> yeah, and so what they did was a little bit sketchy and that they stopped. And so there's that's what they could focus on. But like who knows? Like again, Robin Hood the app is a small uh, organization, so they could focus on them. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing. It's it's just weird selling it. This bandwagon jumping that these big industries do. <laughs> like buying a title of a book that hasn't happened to make a movie like it just seems it's very eye-rolling to me yeah Yeah. and this whole thing hasn't even wrapped up yet it's still ongoing (laughs) it does seem a bit strange to especially when it's about current events like real world events yeah current events yeah if it ever does start uh, production i'm sure it'll be highly dramatized what exactly? Uh, what well, the <laughs> thing? Like, who gives this guy the right to sell the rights to a story that's happening to not him? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and who actually yeah. has the right to a story that's happened? Yeah, like, that involves thousands of people. <laughs> and uh, the only reason I guess they he, he has any clout to do it is because he's written something that's been successful in the past, but it doesn't actually guarantee it's it's just a weird, a weird thing like it's just who you know i guess like once you made a name you're guaranteed to make money it's just strange like who's who sold the rights to the coronavirus I, i'll sell the rights to the coronavirus movie can can someone pay me <laughs> like world war three yeah <laughs> well yeah it's i guess that's that's an interesting debate is who you know it's like historical events i guess some historical events are so far in the past that it doesn't matter, but you know the rights kind of expire after what, like a hundred years or whatever. The IP, so Disney is fighting. <laughs> we're not finding the relatives of Henry VIII to get permission to. Yeah. You know. But can can a person actually own intellectual property for a, a historical event? Though I guess if you write about it, then that book becomes your IP. But and then anyone else can come along and write the same story. <laughs> Well, yeah, so it's a race to see who finishes the book first, I guess. Mm. <laughs> well, that's what Disney did. They just took all the fairy tales that were in um, public domain and then claimed them as their own. Mm. And then locked it up in their vault. They spend the most on law, like on court cases trying to push to extend the copyright. Oh, of course, yeah. Because uh, it's <laughs> them because they... Or was now- it extended to 70 years after death of a death of the copyright owner or something? And that's the just, other one's that's pu- just crazy. The other one's pushing for that because a lot of their they have a lot of IP. <laughs> mm. That's just greed to the max. Once an IP has become a no certain amount of time old, or if the creator has passed away, it should be free 
for other people to use for their or and adapt yeah and uh create further you know further art <laughs> yeah it's definitely an interesting discussion to be had around it and lots of arguments because then, then that things get left in estates and whatnot and then the estate mm. owns the rights to it and makes money oh, from yes. it <laughs> yes <laughs> like the marvin gay estate suing everyone left and right <laughs> before we move on uh which other company should reddit save next oh Hmm. My vote is for bringing back Blockbuster videos. <laughs> yeah, they don't deserve oh, saving. I feel like I feel like they've had their chance. <laughs> yeah, no, they they passed on buying Netflix. Yeah, true. It's their own fault, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just oh. imagine Netflix could have been blue and yellow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that, Yunte is on twelve points, and Charles has nine. Hey, it's time. <laughs> some bonus points so these next clues will be quick fire so they're available to both my guests a last chance for charles to crawl his way back to victory this week so uh, first clue whose success isn't such a little thing oh i re- i can remember i can think of a number but i can't think what movie it was was it 4.8 million ah uh, yes Spot on, Charles. Uh, I can't remember what movie it was. I remember reading the 4.8 million. But... Is it? Is it the Liam Neeson movie? No. No, it says not the marksman. Uh, it's starring it another the... action hero. Is it the Denzel Washington? Yes. yes. That was going to be my next guess, yeah. Mm. What was that one called? Uh, the Little Things. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I, yes. I just remember that um, that seeing that Denzel Washington just did not put up with anything, all the the antics that... Sure, <laughs> He's just like, nah. I'm not yeah, doing this. Yeah. As per our method acting discussion in episode one, Denzel has said that he has no time for Leto's onset antics. <laughs> but didn't he, didn't he also say that he was was stalking Leto or something during the production, <laughs> standing yeah. outside his apartment or something, which is really yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was about. It's payback. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, the little thing starring Denzel Washington and Jared Leto won the box office top spot right. this past weekend with over four million. But before, before the next question, I'm just officially claiming rights to selling the story, or the true story of Denzel Washington's store. It's talking Jared Leto. <laughs> and I, I will open to the first highest bidder. <laughs> <laughs> I am currently writing it, so I claim. <laughs> it's currently a work in process. <laughs> okay, so for our next item. Which large Netflix cast announcement would have Anakin Skywalker rolling in his grave? Mm. I have no clue. I haven't seen anything about Netflix casting. You're going to laugh at this one. You can say what I tell you. <laughs> oh. No, I haven't seen any Netflix news. Oh, okay, so point to me then. Um, <laughs> uh, it's actually the Sandman TV series. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I get it now. <laughs> Awesome, rough and irritating. And it gets everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. yes, uh, the Sandman TV series based on the popular Neil Gaiman books has announced mm. their cast uh, this past week. Okay, and our final item this week. According to the experts, when will cinemas bounce back from 2020? Well, probably not this year. <laughs> uh, or the next year. 2020. Three? Yes, you're spot on, hey. Yante. <laughs> twenty twenty three. Apparently there will be a large drop in the next two years, followed by a big increase in twenty twenty three. Twenty nineteen set a new record at the domestic, aka the American box office with twelve billion dollars. Uh twenty twenty saw an eighty one point six percent drop from that. <laughs> oh jeez. 2021 is predicted to have a forty percent drop from that, uh, with a seven percent drop in 2022 uh, but that will be followed by a seven percent increase on the 2019 record in 2023 so there is hope and i'm looking <laughs> forward to all those numbers being completely wrong because they don't actually know uh yeah. <laughs> who are these experts <laughs> uh it's actually charles <laughs> i made it up <laughs> I, 
I've I've read in his his upcoming book. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, his autobiography about progress. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, again, I will sell the rights to to the highest bidder. <laughs> but yes there we go leaving on a message of hope and that's it so final scores on the doors uh, charles made a, a decent effort this week with with 10 points <laughs> uh, but it's yute who snatched victory today with 14 hey so, oh, thank congratulations, you congratulations yute you've won yourself a true feeling of achievement for at least the next week oh yes pat on the back uh, but Charles and Yunte, was this a good week for the movie news business? Do you reckon the uh, news uh, deserves the official seal of approval? Yeah, I thought I thought it had some some good news. I think it's saying to pick up for the year. I think things are saying to get a bit more interesting. Hmm. I'm not so sure. So, so no seal for me. But I'm outvoted by my guests. So, <laughs> so an official seal for, for this week. For our audience out there, what was your news highlight of the week? Did we cover it? Did you agree with anything? Yet to say it all. Let us know. And if you enjoyed the show, please uh, subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on and do whatever liking or rating you can. It would really help us out. Thanks for joining me today, guys, and as well as everyone at home. And we'll see you all your next time. Are you shaming Killam's clues? A little. Uh, <laughs> you clue shaming him. <laughs> Definitely. My clues are for big brains only. Okay. So. only likes big brains and he cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. Um <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>